who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspective. Hello, Keegan. Hello. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) That was so solemn. I thought you were like making a pause to say my name too. You were like, hello. Okay. (laughs) Not that dramatic. I'm just very tired. Yeah. Um, I'm just very tired. And, you know, I think I said just last week or two weeks ago that I I thrive when I'm busy, which is true. But every now and again, what happens when you take on a lot of projects is that you will find weeks in your life where it's a lot and And like you just get kind of like overwhelmed because everything does get stacked up you'll have weeks that are great and you're busy to a a, to an amount that feels acceptable but then there are weeks where it's just like this is overwhelmingly busy and I'm having one of those this week and it's okay I was gonna say because you're gonna have like a weekend away Yes. It's going to be so, nice. You'll be able to kind of relax. Yes. My birthday is coming up. Um, sure is. It's tomorrow when the listeners are hearing about I was going to say, it's not tomorrow, Keegan. Don't trick me like that. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, it is on the 20th. So I will be up in the mountains. I will be kicking it in the woods. Oh, yeah. You know, in front of a fire. That's so our good. plan to decompress. <laughs> Perfect. I'm I'm going to be real jealous. I was in front of a fire last weekend as well at my friend Lorenzo's house and it was really it was really really nice. My things still smell like a bonfire and I'm not mad at it. It's the best. Honestly, like there is nothing like getting out into nature. Like I'm so grateful that we, you know, Anthony's boss had this place that we yeah. could go. Because this last year was so difficult and there is something so revitalizing about like being around some tall trees, you know, there <laughs> like really is there really, the really is. Yeah, we've I've like I said, I've been having to do those drives on the weekend, but I am just like, 
yearning to be around some some big trees and a lake and some serenity. And really, you know? any any kind of nature, if wide you open have spaces, you know, access to you know a field or a beach or. Uh-huh. Anything like if you can just get out where the air feels clean and you don't see uh, a building, <laughs> right? Exactly. That feels really good, exactly. You know? I know. I just keep saying I need some wide open spaces. I just need a big wide open space and then good I'll old feel Dixie really good. Chick song. Yeah. Yep. I exactly. Wide open spaces. Okay. Yeah. For all of our Gen Z listeners, go go Google it. They're not the Dixie Chicks anymore. They're the I was going to say they're the chicks now. There's actually a really great documentary that they did called Shut Up and Sing. And so for any of our Gen Z listeners that don't know about the chicks, go watch Shut Up and Sing. <laughs> it's such a good documentary. Uh, Natalie, uh, the main character, the main character, the main, the oh lead God. singer, <laughs> lead singer. What is her name? Natalie. I don't Holloway? remember Holloway. She says something about, you know, something negative about George Bush shortly after 9-11. And like, While she, she was, was getting, out of the country, too. Yeah. Hor- in like a European concert. And they caught wind of it. Uh-huh. It's important for people to remember that. Like, go watch the documentary um, and remember that every time somebody on the right says that people on the left are for cancel culture and how yeah. crazy cancel culture is. Oh, my like, gosh. I remember that happening. She was I getting remember- horrible death threats. And that's when they wrote the song, um, I'm Not Ready to Make Nice, where in the song they sing you know, shut up and sing or my life will be over in the song. And, oh, it's so good. I love the chicks so much. Yeah, me too. Yeah, they're lovely. So good. So good. Um, well, uh, I imagine we really only have one real thing to discuss this week. Uh, yes. Um, I'm sure that everybody at this point is aware of the situation that happened um, earlier this week. Um, in Atlanta. In Atlanta. We wanted to it's been on my list for a while or our list for a while to talk about you know Asian American violence and the model minority myth and how those things can sometimes like intersect with each other uh we haven't gotten to it yet but I do think that it's important that we make it a priority um to discuss this moving forward because I feel like because of this minority, this model minority myth that exists uh, within like Asian American circles or within the American culture in general, um, people tend not to think about the fact that in this country there has been a long history of anti-Asian rhetoric um, and violence that has existed basically since the beginning. Right. Uh, And so while, yes, it has absolutely ramped up attacks against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders um, are at an all-time high right now. The NYPD um, has said that hate crimes against Asian Americans have jumped 1,900% in New York City in the last Mm. year. Um, Many of these attacks have been against elderly people. And according to the New York Times, there have been nearly 3,800 reports of hate incidents targeting Asian Americans nationwide since last March, which, as you will note, was the beginning of uh, the coronavirus pandemic kind of hitting the United States. 
right? And exactly. um, our president at the time basically pointing the finger back at China, essentially. And that is when we... The, I, I mention all of that to say that none of this exists in a bubble. None of it exists in a vacuum. You're going to get comedians. You're going to get your family members. You're going to get people saying that, like, making jokes about the China virus or the Kung flu. I hate even saying it. Yeah. Um, that, that those things are just jokes and everybody's being really sensitive and everybody knows it's a joke. But there, it's no coincidence that these things there's a direct correlation between these yeah. things and it's yeah. why language is so important. Um, so I just wanted to preface before we get to talking about the events that happened on Tuesday Definitely. with that, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, there, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit later after we talked about the incident, a meeting that happened in California, just to kind of give an example of what you were just talking about, you know, different rhetoric and stuff that is Mm -hmm. being used particularly by the right and how Democrats are attempting to plead with them to stop and all of that kind of stuff. But let's get into what happened on Tuesday. Um, A man went on a shooting rampage at three separate spas in the Atlanta area, killing eight people. And at the time that I wrote these notes earlier today, so I believe it would still be the same, there have only been four victims that have been identified from one of the salons as Delania Yuan, Paul, and I'm very sorry, by the way, if I mispronounce these names, Paul Andre Michaels, Jojia Tan, who was 49, and Dao Yu Feng, who was 44. And there was one man at the salon that survived by the name of Elsius Hernandez Ortiz. And like I said, the rest of the Atlanta victims had not yet been identified at the time that I was taking these notes. The suspect, who I will not name throughout this, uh, was age 21. And this is a big point that I wanted to talk to you about today. Um, he says that his motive for these killings Uh, was his sexual addiction. And he carried out these shootings at massage parlors to stop his temptation and, according to a later, you know, statement that he gave, others' temptations and addictions as well. So that is his... That is what this person is claiming his motive was. Right, okay, so just to break it down a little bit, he went to one um, massage parlor uh-huh. uh, and that was Young's massage parlor in Ackworth, which is about 30 miles outside of Atlanta. Uh, and then he drove to another location, 30 miles into Atlanta, uh, where he went to the gold spa. And while they were there investigating what they thought at the time was a robbery mm-hmm. um, and did find the bodies of, Two several women. of the victims there. Yeah, um, they heard shots fired across the street at another spa, aromatherapy mm-hmm. spa, um, and and they went over there. They managed to to apprehend this man um, while he was driving towards Florida. Yeah, he said he wanted to arrive at a business that was connected to the porn industry, and it was actually his parents that alerted the police in suspicion of their son, along with a couple other roommates that he had had in, like, a rehabilitation center where he was allegedly being treated for a sex addiction. Um, So his parents were the ones that called the police. They said they had a tracking device in his phone. Apparently, the parents had also kicked him out the night before because of said sex addiction. All of this is alleged stuff, whatever. It's it's to me it sounds like such a such a 
bullshit explanation, but something he's just grasping onto very, very well, tightly. Well, here's, here's the thing. It it might be true. That might be his motivation. I'm, I'm not saying that it's not his motivation, but the issue becomes it, it's still it, racially motivated. I was going to say it's fetishization. People, right. The subject of your obsession um, that you are blaming instead of taking responsibility for your own addiction and your own issues, uh-huh. you are blaming these women and they're a very specific type of woman. Exactly. Um, for your your addiction and they they're calling this um this new what they're calling a quote-unquote new phenomenon but you know it's not right they are they have now coined the term male supremacy terrorism and people are talking about this first of all as though it's not a hate crime as though targeting um women for their gender uh isn't and also for their race or but but that's exactly right or their profession. All yeah. of these things exist at an intersection with each exactly. other. And so to say that like it's not racially motivated because it had to do with a sex, sex addiction. Yeah. D- doesn't make sense because there are women all over. Why are these the women that you feel like you need to target? And what is the bigger conversation around like Asian sexualization and fetishization that we have in this country that we have always had this hyper sexualization. Um, I've seen it firsthand (laughs) with, with too many times I've known. Yes. Um, It was a very kind of like open talking point for, people who were in like quote unquote nerd culture, right? There was this Yeah, big I feel like it was kind of a popular thing to be like a movie trope and to be talked Absolutely. about in like the early aughts and the early mid two thousands. Like that was a very popular archetype yes. was like the yes. sexy Asian, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean it Gross. has been in Hollywood since like the beginning. I covered anime Wong, yes. which, which same sort of situation. It was either you're always going to be like a temptress or it was very difficult to find those like leading lady roles. And the media has absolutely perpetuated that stereotype. Yeah. Um, And that's, and I mean, another thing that was kind of brought up, especially in right wing circles in the last few weeks is talking about Dr. Seuss. Dr. (laughs) Seuss used a lot of really bad Mm anti-Asian rhetoric in his books. There's a lot of really racist cartoons and depictions in his books. And it, that kind of stuff matters. Like kids see that and they think it's normal and they think that joking about it is normal, which then normalizes the violence. It's all tied together. It's exactly, I was having this conversation with Anthony this morning actually, because you know, in the morning he, I usually like I get up, I work out and then I'll sit on the couch before work and he'll go outside and have his coffee outside. And I went outside and I sat with him because you know, he's half Filipino Mm -hmm. Um, and I was just like, Hey, you know, like, how are you doing just to check in on him? Um, just like, how are you doing with the attacks that happened this week? How are you feeling? How are you processing it? And we had a really good conversation about that because I mean, both of us have kind of similar situations in that we're both half, uh-huh. Um, of a minority. He is half Filipino and grew up in a very white space uh-huh. and experienced racism that maybe you don't always even think about as racism because it's always framed as a joke, which is something that like I've experienced a lot. And we had that exact same conversation. I brought up Dr. Seuss. I brought up that exact same example where I yeah. was like, this is the reason why 
normalizing in in a group of kids, right? When you have maybe one Asian kid in your class uh-huh. and you read that book that is derogatory or makes some kind of joke about yeah. a specific um, race or nationality, it first of all is going to single that kid out and it's going to tell all of the other kids in the class, well, this was acceptable language um, by a beloved author yes. and it was read aloud to all of us in class. So it must be fine right. for me to also use that language when speaking to my classmate yeah. or, or whoever else. And it's why we really, really have to um, stop thinking that representation of minorities in media doesn't matter and that language doesn't matter because it has a direct impact. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I mean, and just the way that this has been handled and covered, even Joe Biden has been super hesitant to call this what it is. Like, the yeah. media in general has had a really, like, they don't seem to be able to know what to do. Yeah, there was actually a really great tweet that I had posted to our Instagram story, but I want to read it on on here so everybody can see it. It was a tweet from Min81 that says, he didn't have a, quote, sexual addiction. He had racist sexual fantasies about dominating Asian women. In other words, he had fantasies of white supremacy enacted on them. Name it. And I just think that's so important. It's naming what it is. And I feel like even naming it, what, what did you say it was, male terrorism or something like that? Right, male supremacy terrorism. Wait, male supremacy terrorism. I feel like that still isn't even... What it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I feel I think like it's you're tiptoeing both. around. I, I think it's both things. It's like white male I think, supremacy terrorism, you know? Right, right. But it's both of those things, right? Because if he's saying that this wasn't right, maybe in his head he's like not equating yeah, that yeah, it's yeah. racial, right? Like if he's saying I target, targeted these women right. because they're the subject of my fantasy or whatever... That is, we, we, we've seen it when we talked about incel, incels, you know, like that is male, male supremacy terrorism, yeah. right? It is also white supremacy terrorism. Like yeah, it is yeah. Both of those things, you know, it's you feel like you can do whatever you want. And this is why, you know, when women of color say that they are at a higher risk, this is why, because yeah. they weren't just targeted because they were women. They were targeted because they were Asian women. Yes. Their risk became higher because they exist at multiple intersections, you know, and that's, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm really and, and the really harmful <laughs> stereotypes surrounding Asian massage parlors. You know what I mean? Like, I've been to a few of them and I have never experienced anything shady or off color I feel like there's just also this really negative stereotype of people that work in those types of salons well are a certain type of way and a certain type of person when that also raises the the threat of you know sexual violence just I'm sure in their everyday lives at their job you know absolutely and you know what though even if they are sex workers like yeah they still don't deserve to be treated badly they don't deserve to be treated badly. And if anything, they need more protection because now they exactly. exist at a third intersection. Yes, exactly. People, yeah. Um, who who people for some reason target deem to be less human and less worthy of protection and empathy. Definitely. Like, it's this whole thing has just made me so sad. And, you know, 
Having been in the pandemic, we've had to deal with a lot of stuff. I know. Like, we've had to deal with a lot of stuff, but something we've dealt with less over the past year, we've dealt with less mass shootings and less Mm -hmm. spree shootings just because there's less gatherings. There's less people out. And it's just a sad reminder that as things begin to open, this is part of it. Yeah. This is part of what we're going to start seeing now. Again. Again. Yeah, on Thursday in California, there was a House Judiciary Subcommittee where they heard from lawmakers, experts, and advocates about the rise of violence against Asian Americans since the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, where they touched on a lot of the points that you were mentioning in the beginning of the episode. Representative Judy Chu said that discrimination grew worse when former President Trump began regularly referring to the COVID-19 virus as the China virus or the Wuhan flu. She says what started off as, quote, dirty looks and verbal assaults has escalated to attacks and violence against Asian Americans. And unfortunately, Republican committee members wanted to focus the meeting on other things. They didn't want to focus on... What the big thing that happened this week, they want to talk about higher education admission practices and argued that the spike in Asian American violence has to do with a surge of crimes in the cities this past year, which (laughs) really worked the Democratic representatives on the panel up. And they began to plead with their Republican colleagues. Representative Ted Lieu from Torrance said, You can say racist, stupid stuff if you want, but I'm asking you please stop using racist terms like Kung Flu, Wuhan virus, or other ethnic identifiers. I am not a virus, and when you say things like that, it hurts the Asian American community, which I think is just such... Such a true, clear-cut way of just saying, please, like, this this affects me as your fellow colleague. Can you please refrain from that language? Thanks. And there was this one Republican representative named Chip Roy, who's just a, a real piece of work. Um, he referenced the history of lynchings in Texas, claiming that it was evidence that the state, quote, takes justice very seriously. What? What does that even mean? The only, the way that I read it and the way that it was responded to in this hearing, from what I understand, was that people who are seen as criminals, even if they're not, will get their day in court. I don't, I mean, won't get their day in court. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't understand why you would even open your mouth to say something like that, Um, especially given the fact that most of, lynchings yeah <laughs> most of what we deem in this country to be lynchings it's not as if they've never happened to a white person because they have right um but historically in this country we associate lynchings with minorities broadly and african-americans specifically right so to bring but that up in a conversation about racism is so it's fucking tone, so deaf. tone deaf yes and and it's what's interesting is that In comment to what he said, people on social media have pointed out that one of the nation's largest mass lynchings was the 1817 Chinese massacre in Los Mm -hmm. Angeles, which Mm -hmm. resulted in the deaths of up to 20 Chinese people at the hands of a mob. So Mm -hmm. I don't really know what his intentions were by referencing lynchings what he was willing to gain out of that or what side he was on is very very unclear it's unclear yeah but the mentioning of it is at all is very distasteful particularly with the history of violence like that in our country it's just i don't understand why he would bring it up in general and there's a few other quotes that i got from him um in that article but it's not important enough for me to mention he's just a real piece of work this chip roy Uh. guy it's it's 
I'm sorry. First of all, <laughs> I know that my energy has been kind of aggro this episode, uh, mm-hmm. and that is in part because I'm tired, but it is also in part because I'm tired, because I'm tired yeah. of this this happening, and I'm tired of people acting brand new every time this happens. I think I that know. that's the thing that is exhausting me the most, is that anytime something like this happens, people like, will oh, bend. oh, God, what? Yes, like they've never seen it before and they will bend over backwards to try and find other excuses and Mm -hmm. other reasons. I mean, for God's sake, um, there was a deputy who gave a press conference who literally said that this kid, first of all, he's 21. 21, you guys. When I was 21, I was already living on my own hundreds of miles away from my parents. But okay. Yeah, and he had just gotten Um, kicked out of his parents' house the night before. So he's doing really well for himself. Rough night. But like they said that this kid was fed up um, and that he had had a bad day and this is what he did. And Yeah, he was mad at his parents for kicking him out. So that's justifying murdering eight people and injuring another. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah, he was at the end of his rope. Look, how many of us have been at the end I of our rope? I was about to say that. I'm like, I think I'm at the I think I've been at the end of my rope at least once a day this past mo- year. Most of us throughout this last everybody had a hard year. At most people throughout this last year have been barely hanging on, man. We're all hanging on by our fingernails. So, for you to come out and say the, for this sheriff deputy to come out and say this is it's wild insulting. to me. However, it becomes more clear when you realize that <laughs> um, last year at the beginning of the pandemic in April yeah. of 2020, he had purchased a shirt mm-hmm. that said it looked like it looked like the um, Corona beer logo on a shirt that said COVID-19 imported from China uh, and and posted this and said, love my shirt, get yours while they last. So you just know that this is where this person is operating from. This yeah, is he's defending. The and person. it's built in burnt in white supremacy. Call it what it fucking is. Yeah. Like these people don't matter as much to you as this 21 year old kid who was having a bad day. So what he did is justified. It's now, so insulting. It's just it, so absolutely insulting to any friend or family member that was listening to that and hoping for maybe some sort of like closure, support, anything. And to get that right. be the response, mm-hmm. I would be, that's when you'd have to worry about me killing somebody. Right. And, and, that and, moment. They're like, and they're like, well, he took responsibility. So he didn't I guess take it's responsibility. Okay. All he did was admit that he did it. And that's the least that he can do at this point. Honestly, it's the least mm-hmm. he can do is just say, yes, I did it. Plead guilty. Don't, you know what I mean? Whatever, whatever is going to happen next. But like, that is not something to commend a person on whatsoever right. by admitting that you did the one of the worst the things minimum. a human being yeah. can do. Yeah, yes, yes. <sighs> um, so he was, or he has been charged, so he has been charged with eight counts of murder and one count of aggravated assault because there was um, one victim who survived, survived yeah. the attacks. Um, he has yet to be charged with a hate crime, but I wanted to cover this. He still could be. Yes. So they're David, saying it's too early, right? No, no. Oh, okay. As that's far what, as I'm seeing... That's what I read earlier, and I was like, hmm. Yeah, as far as I'm seeing, it's not even that it's too early. Okay, here, here it is. Yes, I'm sorry. So David, Tell me what's going on. 
David Barkley, senior Southeast counsel for the um, Anti-Defamation League, said that Georgia's new hate crime law includes crimes related to biological sex and gender identity, as well as race, religion, and national origin. So if he targeted these women because of his alleged sex addiction, um, that's a hate crime because he targeted them based on their sex or so gender either, identity. So either way, it's a hate crime, from right. what I understand. It, it, so then why can't exactly. they just say it if literally... Either, either way, either excuse... Or true, yes. or both. Oh, you know that's what's in, in that to way. Me. Okay, yeah, I think you are actually right. Then I think maybe it is too soon because they are doing an investigation. So investigators yeah. will be looking at um, his past social media posts, um, yeah. as as well as speaking with friends and family about his views towards women. I think they want to establish um, that he has a pattern Definitely. of behavior, and I mean, all of this stuff is relevant. I, yeah, I, I found it really interesting to read a bit about like the roommates that he had when he was staying in like halfway houses and rehabilitation centers. Um, you know, talking about relapsing with them, talking about how you know I read that he was watching just hours and hours of porn at his parents' house, and that was one of the reasons that mm-hmm. they kicked him out. You know, so I feel like there is going to be plenty of like definitely some sort of like digital footprint that he left for right. I mean, some pretty and- damaging stuff. I'm sure. I also want to say this because I have seen a lot of people on the left um, doing something that kind of rubs me the wrong way. Uh And that is minimizing sexual addiction. Like sex addiction is a real thing. Oh, yes. It's a real thing. It's damaging. uh, It's a problem. It's not an excuse. Just like anything else. It's not an excuse. Because what we're seeing here is more, again, you know, talking about incel terrorism. So there was guy. He couldn't. You know, it is. Mm -hmm. He is very much in. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a part of that world at all. Absolutely. So Maria Bloom, who's an expert of terrorism and extremism at Georgia State University, um, she was talking about this attack um, in that it was similar to a lot of other attacks by incels. Um, There there were attacks last year in Toronto by a 17-year-old man that feels like a million years ago. We talked about it on this podcast, but it feels like a million years ago. It feels like at least two. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. um, Who did uh, a similar kind of thing, had a similar shooting spree. And um, I always think of, I can never remember his name, which is fine, but the Santa Barbara Oh, yes. Uh, Elliot... What's his stupid Hunger face? Games um, son? I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just remember the chaos surrounding it and being. I remember being at Disneyland when it happened and like mm-hmm. being oh, in a, yeah. being in a bathtub at Disneyland in my hotel room reading it and just being and like, what the fuck. Reminder to listeners: if you want to hear more of our thoughts on that, or you know, understand what that is yeah we do have a whole episode on incels um yep so where we do we we that. have an incels episode and we also but that was separate from the red pill episode right we did two separate we have, we have three episodes that would be would pertain would pertain to this so we toxic have an incel masculinity ep- four is that the other okay one? We have four then because we have toxic masculinity. We have an episode on incels. We have an episode on red pilling and we have an episode on or maybe they're combined. We have an episode on YouTube extremism. That's a separate Um, one. You're right. That was a whole separate thing. And they are all kind of tied together in a way. Tied together. It would be Um, interesting actually to like someday like 50 years from now when this is all over. Oh God, there'd be too many episodes um, to like compile collections for oh, people yeah. to listen mm-hmm. to, like, one specific, like, topic. Well, you know, 
we did that for um for last Black year History we did that with month with, right well we did it last summer uh where we highlighted all of our episodes on black history subjects mm-hmm. uh, and we can do it and have been asked to do it actually for LGBTQ and we can also yes. do it for this as well so that we can actually pull out and say, hey, if you're interested, listen to episode this and this and this. Yes. Because um, that way people don't have to dig. They can just go to the episode and find it. I do appreciate when people ask us though if we've ever covered it or when they suggest it because then it does help me to go back and google it or go on our you know page and see like did we cover that or like what episode was that and it always surprises me at what number episode things are yeah you know it's just funny um Um, but so she said you know basically that his motivations are not entirely clear necessarily but targeting women because of a man's uncontrolled sexual impulses is classic misogyny. She said, quote, he had to shoot these women because, of course, he is not responsible for his own addiction. Mm -hmm. Basically saying that, like, these women are responsible for my attraction to them and their lack of response to me. You know, this is what's ruining my life. I don't have to take responsibility. And that is exactly that incel mentality that we've Mm -hmm. apparently discussed on four separate episodes. Yes. I mean, Uh, absolutely backwards and terrifying. And I think especially because, you know, the Sarah Everard story has been so big in the news discussing women's safety and violence against women. So I think it really is, and this is another story I feel like that's kind of adding to that same narrative of violence against mm-hmm. women, but adding mm-hmm. oh, yeah, adding yeah. another step to it, you know? Adding another component. I mean, yes. this was, it was bound to happen at some point. People have been saying, I mean, just last weekend, I couldn't go, um, but Black Lives Matter Los Angeles had posted last weekend downtown there was a rally there was a protest um for asian lives like essentially just saying like hey we need to come out and support um there's rising violence against asian americans and pacific islanders right now so the writing has been on the wall for a very long time um it was only a matter of time with nobody doing anything nobody talking about it nobody like really putting the spotlight on it like it was only a matter of time before something like this happened and because of the levels of violence that women face period it's not surprising that those two things would come to a head at the same time like um so i kind of wanted to close the episode out by talking about how you can support asian american communities right now Um, First of all, if you see a hate crime taking place, you can report it. Advocates and academics need data to effectively lobby for Asian communities. So you can visit at Stop AAPI Hate on Instagram or go to StopAAPIHate.org to report hate crimes in English as well as Asian languages on a national level. Um, There are also local city and statewide reporting hotlines as well. In Los Angeles, you can dial 211 to receive immediate assistance, um, and that assistance is not associated with law enforcement, which is amazing. Good. <laughs> you can also donate to Stop Asian Hate at GoFundMe.com slash AAPI. 
and or um, Asian Americans Advancing Justice Atlanta. They work to defend, protect, and advance the rights of Asian Americans, Pacific Islanders, Native Americans, and other immigrants at all levels of government, as well as providing legal resources. And that is at advancingjustice-atlanta.org slash donate. I will put these in the show notes um, as well. And I know that racism can take its toll on your mental health, um, being at having to experience this violence and this trauma, having to be re-traumatized constantly by seeing people who look like you or your family members or even your friends constantly is exhausting. So if you are struggling, you can contact the Asian Mental Health Collective at asianmhc.org. Thank you. That's my spiel. (laughs) Yeah, no, thank you for giving all of those resources. I really appreciate it. Of course. Okay. Well, if there are any news stories that you would like for us to cover in the future, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or you can direct message us at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can go to the group page and chat with the other listeners and then go over to the business page and leave us a review. And if you haven't done so already, go ahead to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review there. That is what helps us get seen and we really, really appreciate it. Yes. All right. That's all we have for you today. With all of that being said, we encourage you to To rage on. on. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.